Greg, are you there? Greg, uh, I, I tried to get revenge for all the times that you've done an interview without me, and I, I organized an interview with John Birmingham, and I, I took the blimp, but... Oh, God, I've crashed the blimp, Greg! I've crashed the blimp! Is, is that my hovercraft? Greg! Greg! I'm in trouble! That... It didn't have that scratch, mate. That blimp. You told me that blimp was f***ing soft nose. It's not. you got a cast iron blimp. No, no, no. Um, I've got... Uh, I think I've got my insurance. Cast iron blimp. Greg! Greg! I haven't reinsured the blimp! uses a cast iron blimp Greg, and Greg. crashes it into my hovercraft. Greg's carrying a shotgun! Oh, for f**k's sake. I gotta go. Greg Wah and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Welcome to episode 13 of Smart Enough to Know Better. Lucky 13. We've done a year now, <gasps> officially. Oh, God, so all the excitement we did last time about doing a year was actually wrong, and now we get, I haven't got the energy. I can't do it. I can't, can't do it? I can't get excited again. All right, we'll just get on with the podcast. Let's go. <laughs> Yay! No, wait. <laughs> We've broken the year podcast rule, yeah. which is not really a rule. No. In fact, I just heard it from another podcaster. That's any person. I have to stop doing this immediately. Your phone's ringing. My phone's ringing, and, and it's important. No back. Where are we going to go from? Uh, I don't know. Here, right now. We're still That's talking. Where we're going from. <laughs> so, episode thirteen. We're going to be. I don't know. A whole vista, a year of excitement ahead of us yeah. now. Our accent competition went quite well. It did. Month. Do we have any more people? No. Oh. <laughs> no. No one else has entered. There are now two entries. Yes. They... Our first entry, Brad. Yeah. He was very happy with the, with the way things turned out. <laughs> Carrington. Haven't actually heard from Uh-oh. Oh. I, th- I think all of our jokes about maple syrup and mooses... We've burnt our bridges. Uh, may have, may have uh, turned him off. <laughs> what that means, gentle listener, if you get in on the accent competition, you're the next person, you have a one in three chance of randomly winning. <laughs> randomly winning. <laughs> we'll just pull it out of a hat and you won! Or, you know, we can maybe... I think we may have to just make Carrington the winner just so that he talks to me again. <laughs> oh, that's nepotism. Nepotism. Like, that's the worst Canadian accent I've ever heard about. Uh, he, what? That's what he's saying. Ah. Uh, like, and he's so angry. But and Canadians can't get angry. So, so when Canadians get angry, so I can't picture an angry Canadian. So do they just get quiet? Is that he's just he just retreats to a log cabin and and whittles? He he offers <laughs> you less stuff. <laughs> he doesn't give you quite as much encouragement. You guys are okay. Oh, okay, he hates us. Oh my god. Hey, I had a question for you <gasps> because last episode we were talking about photons. Yes. And how they only have mass because they travel like the. They blazes. don't have mass. Oh, well, no, but they only uh, gravity affects them. Yes, yes. They can be but, bent. They can be bent. Yeah, by, but by, not because they're mass, because they have no mass. Because of their energy. Yeah. So they can be bent they, by a gravity well. They travel in straight lines yeah. until they they go past something very massive indeed, like yeah. a black hole or, or something like that. Yeah. Yes. So uh. a, a black hole is yes. so dense that nothing can escape it, yes. not even light. Yes. Which is Photons. Yes. So the photon is like streaming out of the sun, and then the sun gets to a point where it becomes a black hole. Right. And the yes. gravity starts sucking the photon back in. So its speed actually drops to zero. No, no, no. no. And, it, and th- then it has no mass, <laughs> no. so it can escape. But then it has mass, and it can't escape. Are we, gonna, it, are we really going to have this conversation? That This is the interesting point. It's not that it's in, gravity is increasing. Yes, yes, gravity is increasing. But it's bending space-time around itself. So it's in the end, there's a circular path. Yeah. It can't get out because it's going, basically going round and round and round. It's not like throwing a ball in the air, and the gravity then pulls it back I down. I thought it might be something like it's that. bending space-time. So the photon is still travelling at the speed of... 
of light, it just can't escape. It can't escape the from black it. hole, yes, it, which like, is changing the whole, the very nature it's, of... It's roped in the space and time in on itself, and it, and in the end, so every straight line is a curved path, when you put it that way. Okay, that makes... Oddly enough, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Much more sense than a photon that would keep speeding up well, it's, and slowing it's like a, down. Think of like a whirlpool. So you're in a whirlpool in a boat, and, and in the sea, so, and there's a whirlpool, and your boat, your boat is still heading it's forward. Caning at yeah, the speed of light. Yeah, it's going really, really fast, but you're still going round and round the whirlpool because you yeah. can't get... You're, you're, in relative... Hang on, this is the point of relativity. It's, it's about, it's about the, the observer, of, isn't it's it? It's about the frames of reference. So to the light beam, if you were travelling along it, it would think it was travelling in a straight line, but space is so curved that it, it, it would, it, from an outside observer, it's actually going into the singularity. The outside observer can't see into past the event horizon. Man. This, I was actually reading something recently about this with a supermassive black hole, like the one in the centre of our, our galaxy, the really, really, really millions of, of, yes. of astronomical... Uh, oh, sorry, sun masses, Chad masses, because <laughs> we named, of course, yes. our sun Chad. But we have to get that out there. I don't know. I don't see anyone calling it Chad. The sun recently uh, had a huge blowout. Solar flare. Yes, massive oh, I one. I saw the video of that. And, and no one mentioned Chad. Chad no. today blew its top. I mean, hey, come Just on, Just to Simon. remind everyone, yes. the Earth's sun yes. is not called Sol. No, it's not. It has no name. Well, it does. Now we named it. We named it Look, Chad. No one had named it before. No, in all of history, no one had named the sun. So we went out and discovered it. We looked up and went, "Hey, what's that thing in the sky that no one's named?" Yeah. And we went, don't oh, do that, by the way. Don't right. look at the. Don't look at Chad. <laughs> and we named it Chad. So you have to call it Chad from yeah. now on. So Chad is one astronomical unit from the Earth. It's 156 million kilometers. That's Chad. You know Chad. Every morning Chad comes up. Chad's a great son. We like Chad. <laughs> name. Just call it Chad. Hey, Chad. You know, why not? The moon's still moon. We don't name that. No. It's the moon. The it, moon. Kind of, it technically has the name. It's the moon. Mm. The definitive article. Yeah. Which is a bit, you know, sort of yeah. lunar-centric, really. You yeah. know, I think I like the idea of someone on some, someone, something on Titans going, yeah, whatever. As he swims yeah. in his well, tiny What happens in the future ocean? when we're living on Ganymede? And you know, look up and see the moon. <laughs> Can't. Too Can't. far away. That's Can right. barely see Chad. That's right. <laughs> Chad's... I, oh, I, if you write science fiction novels, you're someone famous who writes science fiction novels. I, I would love, just drop it in there. We, we, we coasted around the gravity well of Jupiter. I, I, I can't help but feel We were moving know. in 4% the speed of light. Chad was moving up quickly on our forward bow. I can't help but feel that there are there are people called editors who will prevent that from ever getting into a novel. Well, I don't think it can be named. Why can't it be named? But you don't need editors anymore. <gasps> you just write a book and put it online. That's right. And, and There's everyone... all these shitty novels on the that's internet that's now that's that you can read. And slash fic. Sorry, if I, if I lower the tone. Where Chad and the Moon do I'm some, sorry. like, dirty man sex type shenanigans? Or... <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I, I was thinking. I, I, I just had a astral bodies. Because bodies. Yeah. No, I got the joke. I just uh, bodies. I'm okay. doing a pelvis thing. Yes, he is. It's, it's quite. It's quite disturbing. There's nothing quite like watching a man in full tails doing a pelvic thrust. It really drives <laughs> you insane. <laughs> <laughs> Blast, it's only a month until we visit France. Frog Princess, can you teach me how to speak French fluidly? You want to speak it how? Fluidly. Fluently. Oh, we're starting already? Okay. Fluently. Tu es vraiment stupide. What does that mean? Dan? Yeah? I can't help but notice yeah. that at the start of the podcast, yeah. there was some... <laughs> 
<laughs> some wacky bit of fiction. <laughs> it yeah. has so much fiction about how you went off and did an interview with John Birmingham without yeah. me. You like my John Birmingham impression? Yeah, it's very good. So, Pretty guy yeah, flying. That's isn't a very it? good little bit of sketch comedy you did there that, you know, didn't really happen. You should mm. see him. Why don't I show you mm. a, a brief couple of minutes of me interviewing myself as John Birmingham? So you did an interview? Yes. You broke my heart. You're in country Queensland. That's true. What are you going to do? That's, well, well, I wouldn't do it to you. I wouldn't go and interview someone with that. Um, I, well, I wouldn't do it once. Yeah. I, that's true, actually. I, yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't do it once. You did it twice. I did it twice. Uh, so what's this interview about? Um, well, it starts off with a bit of talk about social media. Mm-hmm. I, and the thing is, we just started talking, and then I'm like, Christ, I better hit the record button, actually, because this is all really interesting stuff. Oh, so it's pre-interview interview It's stuff. pre-interview stuff, and then there's an introduction. There's a little bit of talk about social media and some movies. Awesome. Time travel. Time travel? Oh, yeah. I'm there. I could be there. Well, you weren't there. Oh. And that's brought up quite quickly in the interview. <laughs> so I- let's go. <laughs> mic is on yes yes so uh, the thing i like about twitter is that it's a publishing system so when people are on there they're not just speaking crap there's a there's a certain part of most people on twitter who are going okay i'm publishing this and everyone can see it yeah or i suppose it depends on what part of twitter you're going to like if you if you look at the trending list particularly the ones based out of the u.s there's a lot of crap coming out of there but there must be some kind of inherent filtering process goes on because i often notice that my timelines it's like a fire hose now because I, I tend to follow back 90 percent of the people who are following me you've got to be pretty bad for me not to follow you back yeah and that means that there's an enormous volume of tweets coming through at any one time but i do notice that they do tend to follow certain trends I know at a certain time on Monday night, there's, you know, unless I want to follow Quanda on Twitter, there's no point starting that up because nah. most of the people who are following me are going to be tweeting out of that show. Same thing with MasterChef a bit earlier in the night. I, mean, I know it's not true that you know not all ten or twelve thousand people are, are doing it, but enough of the active ones are doing it. That so you know effectively, that's all that's happening. I'm just looking stream. forward to the day when I can put in keywords that will stop stuff from appearing in my Twitter feed. Oh, that's very good. Yeah, like, that's uh, a great idea. For anything with a four square. Uh, I know. I, I just, I, that whole check-in thing just shits me. I, I don't see, I really don't see the point of it. Like, sure enough, if you're going somewhere interesting to eat a tweet-worthy sandwich, for instance, mm. sure, tell me all about it. I, I'd love to hear, but I, I don't want to follow your geotagged ass through the day as a matter of course. Mm. Like, it, well, I, um, I get excited when there's a link because they go, oh, I'm at, I'm, I'm at a comic shop and, and there's a link and you're like, oh, so what's interesting at the comic shop? And you click and it's just a map to the comic shop. Yeah, I know. It's just, it's, yeah, you're right. A, an, an ability to get rid of that stuff would be really cool. But I mean, having said that, the, the reason we got onto this is like, I, you know, I was replying to a, a message on Facebook from a publisher and I, I hate Facebook. Like I'm on it. And I've got 2,000 friends I don't know on it. And mm. um, it, it gets used a bit for work now. No, for instance, that, that publisher found me. She wanted a cover quote for Max Barry's next book, Machine Man, which, great book. Everyone go out and buy it. Was happy to be contacted, happy to get my free manuscript, happy to provide the cover line. Yeah, Max, he a man. So, I mean, from that point of view, I, I guess it, it's okay. But I just find that it's, it, as a service, it's hyper complicated. It's evil as all get out. And it's needy. Facebook is so f- needy it's mm. not funny i'm constantly having to go in and f- around with the settings so that my 
email entry is not chock-a-block with notifications and there's this thing i'm sure somewhere behind about 16 settings screens there's there's some checkbox i could hit that would stop people signing me up to their ridiculous groups but i can't find it and so every day i will get in and find out that i've been signed up to yet another group and And then facebook changes how it works yeah but go back in and do it i I know that's right like i then link to that group so i can go in and change the settings for that group so that i no longer get their ridiculous notifications i just find then they change it and the notifications come back and then a new group starts the next day and there would not be a week goes by that i don't think i should really just close that facebook account down but um, (laughs) The, the only thing stopping me is this perverse and, and irrational sense that some people would be upset. You know, some people really, they love their Facebook. You've got this division now mm. between the Facebook people and Twitter people. And I, it was described to me once as like, Facebook is everyone you went to school with and Twitter is everyone you wish you went to school with. Uh, yes, I'll, or uh, I think I heard Twitter is all the people that you want to be friends with. Facebook are all the people that you used to be friends with. Yeah, yeah. A great one I saw was Twitter is mingle, mingle, mingle. And that's just so true. It's yeah. it's like wandering into a party and mingling and maybe you stay and chat or maybe you just, you know, you move on. Whereas I'm always very wary opening up Facebook. I have to do it because I, I do have my tweets sent through there automatically. Partly because when I've written a column or something that I want people to read, mm. got a couple of thousand friends, for want of a better word, yeah. on, on Facebook, and some of them like to read that stuff, and they're not necessarily on Twitter, so it's got to go through. But I just I dread going there because I know that within, if I'm on for more, 30, 30, 40 seconds seems to be about it at particular times a day. If I'm on there for longer than that, all of a sudden chat boxes are going to start opening up. And you can and close that. I've done it twice and it's just some evil gnome at Facebook has gone in and bloody reset it for me. I I know you can stop it and I have stopped it a couple of times and then I go back a week later on and there's all the chat boxes again. I don't like it as a business model and I don't like it as a service and yet it's got a population of what 600 million people now so mm. it's um yeah, i saw the other day like Spain or something 40 percent of the population of australia has a facebook page and i, I swear, i'm as bad as everybody else i got one just uh, we're all prisoners of the thing i know that there was another service uh, after all the security issues and and ethical issues a group of students started something called D- diaspora or something oh uh, yeah yeah diaspora i, I saw that it's, I, it's like a wonderful idea of technology but no one's going to join it. Mm. it you need that magic click to make everyone want to move like yeah, Facebook that's right. It's, it, yeah, they got exactly right. They they've got the the two greatest advantages you get on the net, which is first mover and critical mass. And mm-hmm. Facebook's got both of them, so it doesn't matter how evil it is, our inertia stops us from yes. doing anything about it. But then these things, no one would have known that you could have stopped MySpace a decade ago. Yeah, MySpace then, stopped MySpace. Yeah, <laughs> they were their own so worst enemies. So you can only hope that the same thing happens to Facebook. Yeah, I don't know. Zuckerberg looks like an evil genius, so uh, probably not. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, You're listening to Dan Beeston, and I'm having a chat with John Birmingham. And so you killed killed that other guy who came here before. Greg. Him. No, 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 Greg. Greg's not dead. He's in limbo. He's doing his penance out at... Sounds like he's dead. Yeah, he wishes he was dead. So uh, hopefully we've got no no listeners from... I'm sure we don't now. Oh, I knew a chick once. She was hot. No. Oh, yeah. Anya. Anya McTaggart, her name was. I thought that was a great combo Anya of McT- names. Anya McTaggart. McTaggart. Yeah. 
Goodness, that's a, it's it's a weird blend. It is, isn't it? She, you can just imagine her like hot sounds, new talent on Saturday Night Live, Annie McTaggart. It sounds more like a, the daughter of a cop. Ah, uh, farming family, I think. Uh, Don't know what happened there. But Anya, not Anya. No, well, yeah, my memory, Anya, Anya McTaggart. Anya McTaggart, get Anya. <laughs> Odd. Now, uh, I've got you on to have a very specific conversation, because yes. I noticed that you tweeted the other day that you enjoyed the Source film Code. Source Code. Yeah, no, I loved it. But you desperately wanted to talk about what happened at the end, but of course, that would be full of spoilers. Yeah, it would, because... And you yeah, can't there's, there's an obvious... that up on news.com, because no. people go a bit nuts about that. I know, that's right. Well, there's, there's a, you know, anybody who's seen the film will know it's impossible to discuss anything after about the 20-minute point without... Yeah totally giving away a huge spoiler. And the important thing is, it's such a great film that you don't want to listen to spoilers. You want to go and enjoy the film. Yeah. So before we go anywhere... Exactly. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Whoa! Spoilers. Hang on, I'm stopping this interview right here. Well, I was enjoying that. I know, but you haven't seen Source Code yet. No, I haven't. What's that going to do with anything? Because we give away so many spoilers in for Source Code, and I don't want to ruin it for everyone. And I, you know what I really hate? Mm-hmm. Is when people say... Well, there are spoilers, so just skip ahead five minutes. Right. If you skip ahead five minutes, they're still talking about it, and that's the bit where they go, Bruce Willis had a penis the entire time. <laughs> so That's so, an awesome mashup movie. Uh, I think that's basically The Colour of Night. I think that's that film. At any rate, uh, so what I've done is I've got the rest of this interview, and I've shuffled it all the way to the back of the podcast, mm-hmm. after everything, after the credits, after the after credits stuff, the very last thing... There'll be 30 seconds of total silence. The very last thing in the podcast will be quite an interesting 15-minute interview with John Birmingham about source code hey, hey, you should, and the spoilers in it. Can you, can you sell that a bit more? Uh, quite an interesting. Don't be British about it. Uh, it's quite, right, sell right, it a bit more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a really interesting. A f***ing quite interesting <laughs> interview with John Birmingham. Right. International and, super author. And can we call him now friend of the show? We can, although when I think of friends of the show, yes. I imagine he's the friend of the show who's kind of that big, mean bully ah. who is only your friend because it's much preferable to him being your enemy. Right, so we, we're paying him off then. Like he... Not so much paying him off as in we're putting ourselves in a position where we bullied less by him. So we, we go, hey, yeah, we do what John says because, yeah, he's our friend. Oh, God, don't hit me, John. And then we just help him hold someone down. And he, like, Yeah, just we're like, the people who oh, help him hold people down. Right? Oh, we're the little people hang out next to bullies. I... Yes. Right. We're the remoras to the giant literary shark of yeah. John Birmingham. Yes, so we, we are. eat his waste. Yes. Now, we have finished the competition, Dan. Yes. Uh, which I lost. Oh, God, how I lost. I'm looking forward and to I'm, getting a and superhero I'm, costume for you. I know. It's just a bit cold at the moment. We're, and, of course, I'm not anywhere near Brisbane at this time. Yes, so. well, we need to get you out into a well-populated area. Yes. And there aren't any of them in central Queensland. That's true. None at all. Zero. Uh, so uh, I'll be back soon enough. So we'll, we'll organise it then. I will, I will do it, gentle listener. I lost a bet, and I keep my promises. I will be in a superhero costume, and I will be answering scientific questions. So everyone in Brisbane will be able to come on down and, and throw fruit. But I had... I had question i've moved out to central queensland and the daytime is very similar temperature to like chad shines down on where i live yes. as much as chad shines down on on brisbane yep. the days are pretty much the same temperature the nights are really really cold yeah and we're going into winter at the moment in the southern hemisphere and the nights are cold not really really cold 
Oh no, not no. like Carrington Vanston. No, no, cold. no, no. But but cold enough where you go. Well, it's two degrees and things like that. Yeah, yeah. that's 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 cold enough for Queensland. That's yeah, cold. And it's going to get probably get to zero. I've been told. So it's quite that's quite cold for person. There are people in the high northern <laughs> hemisphere laughing and laughing <laughs> Actually, and laughing. Let me let me tell you a fun story. I was looking up on the computer about the weather, and it was saying, oh, today you know in in central Queensland it's going to be eleven degrees Celsius at highest highest point. Yep. And I was like, oh wow, that's 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 pretty cold. My sister in Glasgow in in the United Kingdom, in the Northern Hemisphere, they're coming into summer. Yes. And the highest temperature she was going to reach that day was 11 degrees. <laughs> so, so in Australia, it's like, oh, that's really cold. She's like, it's a lovely day at 11 degrees. <laughs> oh, my God. It's, just, it's what you're used to. But I've noticed, since living out in central Queensland, mm-hmm. I've noticed that... This, this is a, this is a bit, bit rude, but I've noticed I've been peeing a lot more at night. Like getting up, oh, at, yeah. getting up at night in the middle of the night and going to the Nothing toilet. Nothing rude about natural bodily functions. That's right. It's, it's Everybody building. pees. Every, human, the human body is a disgusting collection of organs and juices. You know what I feel at the human body? It's a disgusting thing. If I could, cut I know. Like, check this out. Oh. <laughs> Look at that! I, I, oh, that's, oh, not again. It is really that's cold. That's not normal. Obviously, it's really cold. So it's like, oh. <laughs> and I, for a while, I was really, once again, learning too much about Greg. I was a bit like, oh, I'm, I'm getting on in years a bit. Maybe this is a, a man plumbing problem. Like, and I was like, oh no, maybe. And then I went, no wait, it's getting cold, and I have no really warm clothes to wear. I'm peeing a lot more because it's cold. And I thought about it. And went, oh yeah, that's probably what it is. So putting it to our listeners and putting it to you, Dan. Why do we pee more when it's cold? Huh. I mean, thinking about this, in my head going, well, well, let's think about what. why do we pee more? Like, where's, where's the liquid in our bodies going? Uh, am I drinking more particularly? Maybe, no? maybe it feels nice to have warm water running down your legs in the cold. <laughs> Is, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a, probably not the reason. Don't actually. shower with Dan. Don't. Oh, Dan doesn't shower. <laughs> He's a tech guy. They don't shower. It's only natural defense. You can't beat him up because you can't get out his smell barrier. Why would you want to pee more, or why would you want to pee less in the heat? Well, yes. I, I, the, only, the only one I could think of, I was thinking about what's changed in my life. Was I drinking more? No. I was drinking the same amount of, no more hot fluids. I don't drink a lot of hot drinks, so I wasn't drinking more cold fluid. I was just, you know, I'm pretty certain that was not a, a factor. And I thought about it. The only thing I can think of which changed is... I'm not sweating as much because it's cold. Yeah. And I'm one of nature's sweaters. You know that, Dan. It's a horrible thing to admit. Yeah, you're like a greased up pig. That's, it's very hard to catch me. That's my defense mechanism. Yours is smell. Mine is when the bullies <laughs> grab me. I go, I'm out of your hand. I'm on away. And I can just keep running. It's uh, all jogging. Yeah. I'm not really Whereas running. if anyone grabs me, three months later they die of some sort of horrible disease. <laughs> and then any more of me who are around can actually feed on the corpse. Oh, I, I, like, a, like a Komodo dragon. I didn't realize that, that you'd, more of you would come. I just thought that your spores would get into their flesh and you'd pod off the sides like you're poop they'd like, burrow out yeah that's right or you control them like you get into their intestinal system and they make them go to the highest plant and jump off none of this is science <laughs> it's making stuff but <laughs> so I'm, I'm I'm definitely sweating less because I'm in a colder environment oh yeah and do you think is that so? Is it has to go somewhere? The liquid in my body, instead of being pushed out my pores, it's coming out in my urine. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Well, maybe it's the, it has something to do with the temperature on your hands. Because if you put someone's hands into warm water, they pee in that when they're asleep. That's supposedly not true. Really? That's one of those urban legends that kids have been passing on for years. Oh, okay. Not true. Yes. Because I saw some photos on the internet which were pretty funny. <laughs> of people with their hands. Eh, it's <laughs> funny. Because no, drunk people. Right. Maybe okay. they'd already peed themselves. Yes. Well, you know, Maybe they were about to do it anyway. We've all had that experience. Well, there's a test, kids. Put someone's hand in hot water and then... 
Yeah. I've got a cock drawn on my head right now. <laughs> what are we talking about? I don't know. I don't know. Is this working? It's ignorance. It's, this is this the is, ignorance, ignorance part. part. So why do we pee more in the cold? That's the important bit. I don't know the answer. Sweating, maybe. I keep thinking of... I, I don't drink coffee, but if you drink coffee, you activate your system more, so, but that doesn't affect me. Like, if I had a coffee in the evening, well, then my body would build, you know, pick up, and then my metabolism would increase, and I'd probably pee more. But I don't drink coffee. I drink a bit of, I drink caffeine in other ways but not not coffee so i don't know i'm intrigued yeah because the thing is you'd be losing heat each time you did it yes yes quite a bit of it so if water stores the heat really well mm. so you would think that in the cold that the body would be evolved to hold on to that as long as possible until it was warmer again well i know with your bladder the amount of uh, urine you produce is about one tenth of what you actually produce if that makes sense your body makes urine and then it recycles a lot of the water, like almost nine-tenths of it back into your system, recycles the water back in, not the urea, I think it's called, or whatever, the, the, the bad stuff. So when you actually finally urinate, it's a very small amount of how much you're producing per hour. Mm. Uh, your body's a very good recycling system. Yeah. But that still doesn't answer the question of why does it increase in the cold? Or maybe it doesn't. Maybe maybe I'm it's, it's confirmation bias. But I'm, I'm pretty certain that I've noticed it now only since going to a comparatively colder place <laughs> and not being prepared for it. Because I went to central Queensland and went, I know, I'll take t-shirts and board shorts and have a grand old time. And of course, it's heading into winter and I'm an idiot. Ah. So I was freezing my ass off out there at night time. So I don't know. I don't know. Listeners, get bound to us. Why do I pee more in the cold? You know why it's not as cold on the coast? is because the water is, as I said before, really good at holding all yeah. that heat energy. Mm. So if mm. there was like a nuclear winter or something, then people in the internals of countries would freeze to death. Yeah, would go down to like negative... 50 or something but on the coast it would drop down to like negative 10 and we'd be fine this well we'd be cold, cold but we'd still be alive there's a lot of and hungry and then they start to become like living zombies there's a lot of information about nuclear winter i mean being bad but not being as bad as we thought it was originally it wouldn't be darkening the skies with blackness for you know months on end like in the matrix movies right oh, yeah. it's, it's really worth looking into that sort of stuff yeah this is not like a hooray it's a positive thing but it's, it would not be like a massive deep well define massive you know 10 to 15 degrees lower which is bad seeing that the average temperature of the planet is about 15 degrees Celsius. Yep. So, you know, you'd be dropping it to zero, which would be bad. But it's not that kind of the sky is black and all your crops drop dead instantly and, you know... You're, no. You're, but that's, yeah. So nothing to fear from nothing the upcoming for... Pakistan-India yes, clash. Yeah. yeah, the limited nuclear exchange. Yeah, that's great. <sighs> Blotting out the Chad. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey, what's wrong, man? What's wrong? Come, shh. Oh, all, my, all my life I've been prepared by the father of my church for, for May 21st, the, the, the day of the rapture. Yeah, and, yeah. What's up? We were supposed to be pulled into heaven and God would destroy all the non-believers and oh. it's May the 22nd. Oh, it didn't I'm, happen. Oh, look, I'm I'm sorry. Look, don't worry. It's, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> That was quite a fun little sketch. Thank you. And I really enjoyed it. The first time I read it on Twitter that day of what? the rapture. And the second time I read it on Twitter. Uh. Okay, and the third time. Excuse me, sir. On the very Im same day. Are you implying that I stole this from a social media site? I would How? do no <laughs> such thing. Well, I definitely wrote that and I definitely didn't read it anywhere else. Yeah. And, and unless, it, unless it was in my subconscious and it came out. But also maybe I came up with it. At the same time. In parallel. In parallel. Well, that's what I'd like to talk about now. Ooh, okay. Convergent evolution in ideas. Ooh. 
Which and isn't proper convergent evolution. No, no, no. But as in, I mean, you, you came up with the same idea as somebody else. Yes. At the same time. Yeah. Now, mm. there's been uh, some talk about this locally because there's one of those stupid reality TV shows on Australian TV at the moment called Australia's Got Talent or oh. Australian Entertainment Plus or some sort of thing <laughs> where they get the weak-minded fools up on stage, do their little <laughs> skit, and then a bunch of old-age hacks from the entertainment industry sit there and they judge them and then the audience gets to cheer and vote and spend their money SMSing stuff into them and just pouring money into the coffers of the TV station. When they really should be pouring money into coffers of independent podcasters, not unlike ourselves. I can't believe they refused our grant. <laughs> You're After a bit of a... all those cock jokes we've done. <laughs> we've done... Yes, yes, we have. We're my my favourite was the Hulk penis one. But at any rate, we, I can't even remember the setup to that. At any rate, there was a comedian who went on there, did very, very well mm-hmm. with a, a couple of jokes, very funny jokes. And then it arose a few days later that both of those jokes had been stolen off two different comics, word for word. Ah, so, so he definitely stole them? Uh, his name was Jordan Paris. Okay. And he's, he said... He definitely stole them, though? Well, he said, no, no, I just, I, I've never seen them before. I oh. came up with the same joke. Oh, okay. But it's word for word. That's strange. I'd actually heard, and I haven't looked into this, but I'd actually heard that he'd actually, that some of the jokes contained numbers, and he picked exactly the same, same number. numbers, yeah. There was that's a, suspicious. He, he said the ticket, because the original joke was, I paid £150. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he changed it to $150. Oh, right. Didn't even ch- use the exchange rate. <laughs> Didn't even change. That's a really tra- cheap ticket. £150, $150. I'd get that. I'd buy that ticket. There you go. That, that must be like a $230 ticket or something. Australian yeah. dollar. That's like a $500 American ticket. I know. Why do I pick on the American dollar? Because I can at the moment. Because it's, it's a little tiny <laughs> runt of the playground at the moment. That's right. It's, and, and suddenly we all turn on it like the rabid wolves we are. Well, the, the American dollar has been a source of much frustration for Australians for a good long time. It's true. Because you'll look up a price and go, 30 bucks? Brilliant. And then you'll key in all the details, add shipping to it, and you're like, $55? That's, that's what? Right. That's right. I wouldn't pay that for whatever that object was. I bought a $200 computer program yes. when the Australian dollar was 55 cents oh. in the US. I paid like 400 bucks. Oh, my goodness. Madness. Madness. So this young gentleman, this Mr. Paris, has allegedly stolen jokes from other comedians yes. and won a competition because of it. Well, he went, got through the next round, uh, so I don't know what's uh, going to happen now. Right. I don't know what the... the I'm assuming they'll vet his be. material quite quickly. Yeah, I imagine See, if so. you go to university, or, or even, even in high schools, if you hand in an assignment, they run it through the computer very quickly, and the computer has plagiarism software, and it goes, this is, wow. 10, this is 15%. And I got caught, not caught, I got please explain email from a tutor when I was doing my degree. And I had to go in, and I didn't know. I just said, "Please explain." Uh, the computer, plagiarism computer says your last assignment has some plagiarized material, and I was quite shocked. Yeah, very shocked because I hadn't actually plagiarized anything. So I, I went, "Oh my goodness!" And I went in and I walked, yeah. talked to this gentleman, and he and I was saying, "Well, I'm really, I'm really like, I'm, I, I don't know how this happens. I can you explain why." And he said, "Oh yes, it seems like it's fifteen percent plagiarized." I was like, "Oh my god!" Like that's that's that really worries me. That's I quite know, a bit. I don't know how it All is. All the does. 
There's, All but, the R's? But it look, it's looking There's for... a lot of prepositions in here, very similar to this other <laughs> That's book. That's right. You, you didn't come up with the, the, sir. You have to make reference the caveman who came up with... But in, and then I found out that, in fact, he worked it out while I was standing there. I was, I was quite nervous because yeah. you get done at university and finished and you're out. Like, you yeah. can fail everything. It's not good. And then he looked and he's looking through it. He's going, yes, yeah, so it says here and it says here and it says here. And he got this funny look in his face and he went, oh, I've really wasted your time. Oh, dear. And I went, what, what's happening? He goes, it hasn't worked out that these are all references. And you referenced it at the end. <laughs> I went, right, you, you know, you're talking like a, a 7,000 word assignment and there were about 700 words of references which I had re- referenced properly but hadn't worked it out that I'd referenced right. it properly and he went, I'm really sorry <laughs> and I did, later the entire on, last page is in red <laughs> last, I, was, uh, I got indignant later but I just walked out going I dodged a bullet, but I hadn't actually dodged there was no uh-huh. bullet, uh, like, uh, what I should have said was I got shot for no reason <laughs> but it was right, it all worked out well so plagiarism is an issue, and it can yeah. be checked quite quickly. And with a comedian, people work on those jokes for a long time to get them to work. Yes. I've yes. done some stand-up comedy, and you start doing stand-up comedy, and your jokes are awful. Mm. But you figure out which ones work, because it's impossible to know beforehand which ones are going to work. And you figure out which ones work, and you try them, and you reword them. And mm. sometimes some comedians hone their jokes to a very specific cadence mm. so that they work each time. This guy just skipped that entire step. I just stole someone else's. Yeah, but of course, <laughs> performing a joke is another skill that's of great yes, value. Yes, Some people do do other people's jokes. I know a stand-up comedian in Brisbane called Greg Sullivan, mm-hmm. and he used to write for the morning breakfast shows. Like right, radio, yeah, radio shows. yes. So he would write jokes for them. Yes. The same on the telly, like a footy show and all that sort of yes. stuff. They yeah. have joke writers, and they, mm. they write a huge amount of jokes, and then those people go through and pick the jokes they like and retell them. I'm assuming everyone has to do Like, David Letterman have to do that. Yeah. Uh, you can't write every night an hour's worth of material. Yeah, well, or even just really killer jokes for yeah. your three-minute monologue. Yes, yes. It, it, there'd have to be other people doing it. But you've paid them, and they, they're doing yeah. it for you. That's their job. Indeed. So, yeah. Indeed. So it, that gets part of the whole art of it mm. and something. Mm. So you can tell other people's jokes, mm. but they're valuable. They have value. Yes. So okay. maybe okay. Mr. Jordan Paris is going to have to pay through the nose to get someone else's comedy routine for the finals. <laughs> uh, it, it's, um, I can give you an example of this because you were doing a lot of stand-up comedy and a lot of people I know in my social group started doing stand-up comedy and I, yep. was, I was toying with the idea of, oh, I, I haven't done it. It's another skill. And I was quietly, very, very quietly, no, kept it away from everyone else. I started work on a, on a ah, yes. for the competition and I was sort of working on it and working on it I was, and I was starting to get to a point where I take it out and I go I'm actually quite happy with this yeah. and I, w- I thought now I will start showing it to people like people I know and, and invite people to listen to it so I went to some friends and went oh and I said can I just try some stuff and you went yeah sure and then you did podcast comedy stuff so yep and I did this stuff and they went oh that's really good oh awesome that's Adam Hill oh no and I went what and it went, Adam Hill does this same sort of stuff about words, words being used incorrectly, like surreal. And I went, oh my God, I know Adam Hill's an Australian comedian, he's quite famous. Yeah. I know Adam Hill. I had no idea Adam Hill had done this material. It wasn't word for word, but for someone to go instantly, oh, it's Adam Hill, I just went, no! <laughs> so I really should have checked it much earlier instead of writing a five-minute piece. So yeah. I just threw it in the fire and stormed off never to use <laughs> it again. Very frustrating. So it can happen, even unwittingly. But the difference between me and this other gentleman you're talking about is I didn't then try and go on a television show and say I wrote yeah. it. When I realized that another comedian had actually, a real comedian, <laughs> yeah. had done it, unless I find a different angle to do it from, I, yeah. can't, I can't say, because they're going to go, it's Adam Hill's material. Yeah. Now, I had a, an odd incident. I, I actually stole some jokes <gasps> from my very first stand-up <gasps> in grade 11. <laughs> in grade 11, I put together a, a crap magician 
stand-up act. Right. So I, I was like, I was called Dano the Great. Nice. And I had, I had a planted assistant in the audience. And... <laughs> wow, you broke all the rules. Oh, it was brilliant. It was <laughs> wonderful. But there were a bunch of jokes about card tricks and stuff mm. that I'd managed to scrape together from comic strips, like Garfield strips and stuff. Over the years, <laughs> I, these couple of strips all came together. And I went, oh, I could do this. And I yeah. put that one in, that one, and that one. So all of my jokes were from other sources, oh. except for the final, which I was very pleased with and went off really well. But one joke. It went brilliantly. Like, it was the po- most popular thing of the night at the uh, school review. <laughs> and, and everyone had a laugh when they realised that the person I picked at, at random from the audience was my best friend. Right. So. Yes, yeah. So that's, that's a 16-year-old. Maybe that's how you start. You start doing I other people's material. I think it is. Like you, you, and with everything, you start by emulating the people that you admire. That's right. Well, I mean, all through Like my... Jim Davis, who writes Garfield. Yes. And or lots, for me, it was lots of... I, I used to be able to, not so much anymore, but I could quote nearly every Monty Python sketch. Alive. Lots of people do Lots of young Oh, males. a lot of people can do that. Yeah. That, that's... I hate them. <laughs> I used to go along to parties and yes. be spinning my stuff and entertaining the ladies and mm. coming up with all my own stuff and being engaging and interesting. Some f***ing <laughs> nerd would rock on up, start quoting Monty Python. Everyone would be pissing themselves laughing and be sitting there simmering you, going, you didn't work for that. But they, you, you didn't work for that. But it's the delivery as well. But it's the start. It's Fuck their delivery. <laughs> it still happens today. I can say without a shadow of a doubt that I've heard in the playgrounds where I work, boys doing Monty Python jokes. I've heard them doing <laughs> sketches. You go, this is 2011. That material is still coming up. But it's, it's how you learn. It's how you learn what you find funny, what yeah. other people find funny. And then you start going, so you quote and you quote and you quote. And a lot of people, they'll never get further than that. But in the end, you start going, okay, maybe it's just, I should start using the theme or maybe I should use the feel of it. Or, and then you get away from that even more and suddenly you're doing your own material. Hang on, wait, I just realized something. Your segue into this was you liked that sketch, the one I wrote, and now we're talking about plagiarism and comedy. What are you implying, Dan Beeston? Well, I stole something else, accidentally. (laughs) It's not what I asked at all. No, I know. Are you even listening to me? Yeah, not really. (laughs) Not for a while now. (laughs) What else did you steal, Dan Beeston? Interesting. At any rate, (laughs) what did I steal? I did a guest strip. I've done a lot of webcomics in my time, Mm. rather Mm. misguidedly, some might say. (laughs) But I've done a lot of web comics and I've done some guest <laughs> comics for other people. And I submitted a guest comic to a comic called Theatre Hopper, mm. which was basically the main character sitting down to watch the director's commentary of Daredevil, the movie. Right. And just the entire two hours just being the director of Daredevil sitting there saying, I'm sorry, I'm just so sorry. <laughs> and him sitting on the couch, someone asked him, what, what's the commentary like? And he's mm. like, oddly satisfying. <laughs> And I was like, yay, it's a funny little joke. Yes. And the guy said, oh, no, it's great. I love it. Posted on his site, went to the comments, and just a whole stream of people going, you motherfucker, you've stolen a Simpsons joke. Whoa, okay. And it's a Simpsons joke, Ah. but replaced Daredevil with the postman. I see. So did you know you'd done that? No. No idea. Now, so was that something, once again, it was in your subconscious? Yep. And, and, or... I'd seen the joke on the Simpsons ah, years previous, didn't... and it had popped into my little head yes. and gone, hey, I'm brand new. Yes. It was, and you don't know. So you didn't do it on purpose. It's no. Just something, something had happened. No. And you admitted it at the end? Yeah. Go, oh, crap. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. That's, that's... Now, I wonder whether this has happened to this Jordan Paris fellow. Mm. Because if you had a really good memory mm. for a sketch, and you memorize that sketch, but your brain had just cancelled out the fact that... Yes, you it, hadn't made the referencing the at the end. Yeah, yeah the referencing <laughs> yeah. at the end. Then you might actually go, "No, I, I'm, I did this myself." But okay, we forget things, and sometimes people say, "Come on, Greg, I told you." You go, "Oh crap!" You, 
it was you doing whatever. You normally get a memory of it later on, and, and maybe surely if he the had the brain good, is pretty dumb. In fact, if he had the good graces, maybe to go, oh crap, you're probably right. I, or it's a bit yes, it's a bit suspicious that they word for word. Yeah. Isn't it? If he was a bit more humble and gone, oh crap, has this happened? Because if he hadn't done it on purpose, he could probably easily say, don't worry, for the next heat, I will give him more material, yeah. because I'm good. Now, if he's not, he'll go, oh, it wasn't me, and I'll just do whatever I want, because he'll try and get that wriggle yeah. out of it, you see. So, yeah. Dan, why, do you, why did you bring up my, my sketch? Because I'm saying <laughs> that this was a, uh, it was a clever but obvious yes. punchline. And it's I, about and the rapture, it's about the end of the and, world. And I, knew, and I knew it was obvious when I, when I came up with it. it came, and that's it was, what you want from Josh. Yes, it was, and it wasn't really a sketch, it was like a two-line yeah. thing that I... In a lunchtime, I, I threw together and went, oh, there you go, it's done. Because you, you're always on to me about sketches. God's <laughs> sakes, Greg, where's the sketch? Like, ah! So when I had this idea, I went, yes, I'll yep. do that idea. Yeah, but everyone just latched onto the whole rapture thing yes. on the internet. Yes, of course. Like my Twitter feed was just full of fucking rapture jokes. <laughs> As it should be. Oh, my God. We we broke it first. We did. I don't know if we, we broke it first. We were pretty early. We were pretty early. I think yes. we in, That's right. in, initialized a lot of that. Awesome. <laughs> we'll claim that. Yeah, yeah. We're stealing that. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we do. Okay, no, that, that's true. Some, you, sometimes it's very hard to know. Yeah, because sometimes you'll come up with an idea, and it's it's a fun idea, and it fits. There's a there's a place in the world for that idea. Yes, but of course, someone else is going to spot that. Of course, as well. there's millions of. I can actually give you an example. There are some other uh, local sketch writers in Brisbane called the Sexy Detective. Yep, and and we know them through other things we do. And I had a conversation with one of them, and and he actually said to me sometimes when he listens to this podcast, um, hi hi Dave, when he listens to it, he hears our sketches and goes, hang hang on a minute, that's. That's a sexy detective sketch. <laughs> and, and then he goes, oh, no, no, it's not. But there's a moment, like one that they didn't, they haven't done, like one that, one that yeah. I haven't seen. It's like, how do they get that through? And they go, no, it's, it's just, it's evolved independently. Yeah. And they're similar enough. You start going, hang on a minute. Uh, and, and then, but then he, 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 what he said to me was, do they realize it's just similar ideas being explored by maybe similarly minded people? Therefore, you get a kind of similar direction, uh, but not, it's mm. not exactly the same. Well, I have an interesting one to show you as well. Mm-hmm. You might remember a few months ago, you did a sketch called Samuel Morse Comedian. Yes. Stand-up Comedian. Yes. I, I'm so proud ch- of that sketch. The Chuckle Hut. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Quick reminder to our audience what the crux of that uh, sketch was. Yep, it was a period of sketch comedy where I really liked sound effects. No actual comedy, just lots of sound effects. <laughs> How does it smell? Okay, so that's a you know, cute little joke. Yep, yep. Okay. Uh, which, th- which actually I'd, I'd kind of taken from myself for one of the first podcast we did i did a similar joke about the um the mime i realized later on i'd plagiarized myself <laughs> I, I did a mime joke about recording a mime yes and, i mean later on i went oh i had a similar feel to my mime joke <laughs> stole it off yourself i stole it off myself yes well i was listening to a podcast of an old radio show mm-hmm. by tony martin from the degeneration oh yes yes and get this mm-hmm. and have a listen to this and if it's naval humour you're after, then join us for live sketches aboard HMAS Comedy. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's, that's what you're it. Okay, so, well, yes, it has a, it has more. The scope. same joke. It's not the same joke. Mine has layers, layers, like, <laughs> and also length. And yours goes for like a minute and a half. But mine's actually a joke in Morse code. 
Right. If you really want to, you can go back and work out what the joke is. I'm not going to explain it oh, to you. God. You can work out what the You're joke is. You're far too clever for your own good. <laughs> that's so funny. No, uh, that's so you, hang on, you wrote a joke in Morse code. Yes, I wrote a joke. So that, you, you decode that yes. and that's... That's a joke, yes. How long did that take for you to do? Not long. I, I can do Morse code. So, but it, it's really it, yes, I can do Morse code. But it's it's um. Also, I also did it for right back at the start when uh, Samuel Morse gets in contact with Alexander Graham Bell on the telephone, and it's something he says something quite rude. It's actually, ah. it's actually filthy. It's a filthy. He says something that you would that you'd normally bleep on the podcast, yeah. but, but you. Extra bleeped it. I, I, I put it into Morse code, and, and I even said to people on the forums, have you worked out? And no one's ever said what it is. But it's actually ridiculously filthy, but it's never been yeah. done. So but the thing is, yeah, it's very hard to bleep Morse code. Yeah. Because <laughs> you just put the bleep over the top <laughs> of each one. And... I don't know how you say it. You have to go, fuck, 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 fuck. I'm going to have to bleep that. <laughs> This is getting far too meta. But interesting point here is, did I listen to Get This? When, how long ago? Like, I did listen to Get This, which is interesting. I wasn't quite as into it as you were. Like, you very religiously listened to it and, and listened I've to it I've got the tattoo. So so. You got, yeah, that's right. I listened to it more at the end, so I have no idea when that was happening. But I, I have to stand here and say, maybe I did hear it. Look, I don't remember it, but that is obviously a Morse code joke. But is he the first person to come up with a Morse code joke? I think he is. Oh, pish. Yeah, I don't think he is. <laughs> You're right, Co- evolution. I have to be big enough to say he did it first. Yeah. Well, he, he definitely I, did it first. I did a Morse code joke, and it involved a cat. Yes, a guy on the phone going, "No, I, I understand that it's a it's a restricted mm. line into your into your military facility. Mm. What I'm saying is that no one uses the Morse code machine in here. Who, who could possibly use it? And in the background, you see a transcript and a cat sitting on the floor. And the transcript is, "Hey, is cat bring fish?" <laughs> and that, right. and then a, like a month later, yes, lol, cats. Came on to oh the internet. Oh my goodness. Dan, you're implying. I'm implying. That you created lolcats. That I am responsible for lolcats. Responsible? Oh. Not a single penny from that obviously <laughs> very lucrative yes. internet People meme. People made books and all sorts of oh, madness. Yeah, I know. There's a cat in Japan that everyone just loses their crap over. And uh, I've watched one and gone, it's a nice cat. I don't want to come back week after week and see your cat do cat things. I'd own a cat. I just buy a yeah, cat. Yeah. I don't need the internet to tell me what cats do. I find it odd. People love cats on the internet. Oh, that's, that's, that's. It's ridiculous. We all like cats. But dogs, you know what I don't like? I'm a, I, I'm, I like cats. I prefer dogs. Yeah. I'm, I'm a dog man. But people go, dogs are stupid and cats are clever. And you're like, no, they're not. They're, dogs, dogs are just as smart slash stupid as a cat. For some reason, even though we want people to be nice to us, when an animal is nice to us, animals are like dogs go, hey, I like you and I'm part of your pack and, I'll, and you can beat me and I'll come back to you because I love you. That's considered bad. You go, dogs are stupid. But a cat that treats you like crap, that's clever. But you go, if a human, if you're in a relationship, they behave like a dog to you yeah. in a pack, you'd go, oh my God, this person's attentive and they're loving, they're forgiving. Or you'd say, oh, this person's a bit needy. Well, What's wrong with them? I suppose. Whereas if someone just ignores you, you're like, I've got to impress that's them. That's the problem. I want so, them more. That's right. So I we, want what I can't have. It's not stupid. So humans push away the thing that's good for them and attract the thing. Humans. What's wrong with you, humans? We're idiots. God, I, you humans and your guns. You've stolen that from somewhere. <gasps> Dear friend, praise be to the Pharaoh. Anyone who knows me knows that I'm a pretty skeptical guy, and I'm certainly not one to send on chain letters, but I had a run-in recently that has left me quite shaken. Yesterday, I was shopping at the Pharaoh's Choice Grocers, and an Israelite woman dropped her coin purse. I picked it up and returned it to her. She was so thankful she offered to reward me. It was such a simple task, I had to refuse her kind offer. 
When she realized I would not take any money, she instead lowered her voice and said to me, You are a kind man. On the fourteenth day of the month, you must mark the top and sides of your door with lamb's blood. I didn't take much notice at first, but the more I thought about it, the more disconcerting I found it. To allay my fears, I visited the Council of Elders and had a look through some parchments of known members of extremist Israelite groups, and lo and behold, there was the woman I'd met. I wasn't going to send this because I worried that I would look stupid when nothing happened, but then I thought, if I didn't say anything, and then everyone but those with lamb's blood painted on their doors awoke to find their firstborns dead or something like that, I'd never be able to live with myself. Please copy this parchment out six times and pass it on to the people you care about. You won't get good luck, but you just might stop people getting caught up in whatever it is that might happen on the 14th. Yours sincerely, Apep Amemhotep. Purveyor of fine meats and butchery items. Walk of shame! Walk of shame! As every month I always say, surely there was nothing in the last podcast that would lead to walking of shaming? In the walk of shame, we will address some of the mistakes that we've made in previous podcasts. That Dan made. That Dan made. Many mistakes that Dan made. The many mistakes of Dan Beeston. And me as well. I shouldn't say this. I'm going to set myself up for a situation where suddenly it's going to be, and Greg said terrible things. Well, you certainly made a mistake. <laughs> but it wasn't much of a mistake. Yay! So that's pretty impressive. We were talking about Merkins. Mm. And I said that I didn't know when this was. You, right. You, I just knew it was prostitute time. <laughs> Uh, and you were guessing that maybe it was Henry VIII sort of time. Right, yes. Henry VIII died in 1547. Mm-hmm. Merkins were invented in 1617, 70 years later. <laughs> so you were 70 years old. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. That's pretty good. So is that, is that Elizabethan times then? Uh, if you'd guessed uh, James IV, James King of the... Scots, oh, Mer- or James I, King of Britain, same guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, James... you, you say that, I didn't know that. Oh, okay, yeah, he became, yeah, it's James yeah, yeah. wasn't yeah. And I said Jack the Ripper time. That's way too no, Yeah, way no, too late. No, no, Jack no, the Ripper, way. 1888. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I saw in a TV show in, Do- Doctor, in Who. Doctor Who. That's right. It comes up with a date, 1888. I'm like, I know what this is! It's, it's, yeah, and every time you see 1888, any TV show, it's going to be about, and it's in England, it's going to be about Jack the Ripper. Because nothing else happened on the entire planet. No, no, no one cared except some prostitutes got murdered. <laughs> Yes, you always use and that. that's never happened again since. No, no, they've, they've lived an exciting life of happiness. <sighs> so, yeah, good job. You Thank know, you. 70, 70 years off, that's pretty good. We know we love our pedantic audience uh, oh, members. I love and our... They, they pull us up on the smallest things. I love them. Which is awesome. So I got an email from a gentleman who goes by the name of Medway, and Medway pointed yep. out, went, well, I, I'm going to put a sarcastic voice on this. It probably wasn't, yeah, it, it wasn't how he was writing it at all. He's probably very calmly writing it, but I'm, I, I'm going to make him feel bad. Whenever I read an email or some sort of message from the internet, I always like to picture the other person sitting at the back of a big high back chair with a big balloon full of brandy in their hand before they are puffing on a pipe before they sit down to calmly write their response. Because when you imagine that, it's very hard to misread and read into all the emotion that you expect. Because otherwise you imagine them sitting on the front of their seat, puffing yeah. a chain-smoking cigarettes and going, You <laughs> son of a bitch! <laughs> well, I think Medway was sitting back with a brandy balloon and a cigar, yep. speaking in a very sarcastic voice. Yes. Well, you pointed out that three... No, wait. Yeah, you pointed out that three... F- no. Damn. I'm gonna, what is it? So Medway got in contact with me, and, and this is email. So has anyone emailed you about your conversions yet? Because three meters is ten feet, not nine. 
So that's I, I added the uh, emotional content to that. You right. Might, you might have noticed. I so think. you were saying that it was nine feet. Yes. So three meters three, is nine feet. Yes, yeah, three meters is nine feet. Yeah. So And I went, oh, it's, it's, I'll look this up. And when I looked it up, I discovered that three feet actually converts to 9.144 meters. Yeah. So I'm actually closer to being right than Medway. Because he said 10 feet, and then I said 9 feet. So I'm actually, if you round it correctly, it rounds down to 9 feet, not to... 9 meters, sorry. What? What? No. No, that's not right. He's right. 3 feet, 3 meters yeah. is closer to... Hang on. I've, uh, what? Oh, wait. I've made a mistake. You've said in your response, yeah, I, 3 I, feet I, converts I into 9.14 yeah, meters. Actually, what have I done? So you said 3 meters is 9 feet. Yes. And yes. He's saying it's 10 feet. Yes. There are nine feet. There are 2.7 meters. So, how many in 10 feet then? So, technically, he's probably closer than me. Damn it! He's right! Yeah. So, it's actually 3.48 meters. 10 feet is... Oh, I've stuffed this up. There you go. You were you you about to get all nice and high <laughs> and mighty and indignant. Oh, at least I made it get though. Oh, I made a big error. So, okay, yes. Okay, yeah. so three meters is closer to 10 feet than it is to... No, yes. Ah, what is this? Yeah. Ten feet. Ten feet is closer to three meters yep. than nine feet. Yes. No. Yes, then nine feet is closer nine, to three so I declared nine feet was closer to three meters. Yep. Oh, damn, I shouldn't use that sarcastic voice. I've just made a walk of shame in my walk of shame. Yeah. I stuffed it all up. I got confused with the three. All right, yes, so... Uh, when the conversion... So much shame. So much, so much oh. walking. I just... <laughs> Medway, you're correct, even though I sent you an email saying you were wrong. And, uh, and you agreed, apparently. Yes, and then he agreed with me. Don't agree with me, Medway! You agreed with me! I was wrong! What was that about? This is why. <laughs> <laughs> I love finding interesting songs for this podcast. It, I really, Which is funny, because out of the two of us, I'm probably the least musically savvy, and I don't play an instrument, and I don't have a large range of interest in music. It's quite weird, actually. Yeah. I've become the guy who goes finding the songs. But I've, it means I find interesting music and go, oh, that's interesting, weird, and then you shoot it down. Yes, so that's my joy. I listen to a lot of music, and so I can judge this music <laughs> against a lot more music. That's right. This is an odd one, but I want to do it anyway, yeah. because I think it's a really good song, but something I really, really love. But it's more geeky than science-y. In fact, it's not science-y at all. Okay. It's more the ignorance and comedy bit, I think. Right. Into the purview of our it's, podcast. It's not about Dungeons and Dragons, is it? Not that nerdy, no, no. Okay. But it's something else that I really, really, really appreciate. So if I say any more, you'll know what it is. Okay. I'll just play the song. Okay. Does anyone really know the mind of the bat? 
So riddle me this now and riddle me that Does anyone really know the mind of the bat? Wherever you're going, whatever you do A man in the dark keeping watch over you So poison the ivy with your crocodile tears We're climbing the vines to the heart of your fears Can you tell me has something changed? The rewards are zero cause I ain't no hero Do you know it when you go strange? Is your taunting true? Am I as crazy as you? Check my head, I guess the joke's on me Totally into that. <laughs> oh, score! I like that a lot. It's very fun. Batman. If yeah. You it out, anyway. I love. I love a song about a superhero. It's, and and a good song. That's a fun. I, yeah. I, it's, you can dance to it, and it's got a good. And if you know about Batman, that has references to it. But I think it's accessible to people who don't know that much yeah, about yeah. it as well. We should say it's a band by the name of Miracle of Sound. Yeah. And they're American. Or, or Canadian. Ooh. Yeah. And they're very good. I, and they do lots of different geeky kind of songs. They're, it's all the same. Canada, America. It's all <laughs> no, the same thing. No! I, I, we haven't pissed off Carrington no, enough no, yet that's true. in this podcast. I really like that song. When I first heard it, I went, oh, this is really exciting. It's a Batman song. I listened to it. And I went, oh, it's probably not going to be very good. And I went, it's actually a really fun song. It sort of sounds like a normal song. I liked it. Yeah. I liked it. Now, it wasn't and really... There are a couple of them out there. Have you, have you heard of Troc? Troc. Time Lord Rock. Oh, I have, yes. That was actually, strangely enough, the other one I was going to play today. Yeah? Which you might do another one. The Exterminate Regenerate song. Oh, by Chameleon Circuit. Yeah, is that Chameleon Circuit? I'm, I'm addicted to them. Oh, there you go. I bought their album. <laughs> I'm learning one of their songs on the guitar. So it's, it was, uh, that was sent me one of our listeners, Fault, on the, on the forum, sent me in and said, you should listen to Troc. So I was like, okay. Yeah, a it's lot like, of it's terrible. Oh, yes. Just <laughs> awful. Yes. But but did, and there's a couple more songs that I've, I really like about superheroes. There's one called uh, Aquaman's Lament. <laughs> Where he, it's, it's sung from the point of view of Aquaman, who is secretly in love with Vicky Vale. 
Right. And he's like, but he's just a guy who dresses up. Yeah. I'm the Lord of the Ocean. It's true. I have amazing yeah. powers. He, he can not decompress. Like, you, you, to make Aquaman decompress, you really have to work hard. There you go. Really hard. And <laughs> another one that uh, a, a friend of ours called The Fiend introduced me to called The Ballad of Barry Allen. Ah. Who is the Flash. Otherwise known as, yes, um, Golden Age Flash. Yes. Yep. And it's the so, it's this mournful song about the fact that now everything is boring to him because everything else moves so slowly. Ah. It is Good God, fantastic. I just want to point out that I, I really like Batman. I've always been a big Batman yep. fan. And why I really like that song is because, I, and I might have said it before in the podcast, the only reason that I am not Batman is my parents had the audacity not to be murdered in Crime Alley. Hey, day ain't over yet. Well, that's, I, I'm getting a bit long in the tooth, really. Like, you have to be a child and, and informed. And then not only oh. did... Not only did not oh, only... I'm, I have to make a call. <laughs> There it is. I, and so when I hear that song, I go, that's as close as I'm ever going to get now, is, is listening to cool songs about Batman, and how I could have been there, if only they'd taken a bullet for the team. You have been listening to Batman at yeah. smartenough.org <laughs> and Dan at smartenough.org. <laughs> Feel free to give, send us an email. We still have the accent competition. If you can do an Australian accent and you're not Australian, then you should probably get into us right now and give us your best Australian accent. That's true. Speak in your accent and then speak in an Australian accent and then we will copy it back at you so you can hear how bad we sound because we're awful. And there will be a prize, a crypto zoo shirt, I do yeah. believe. And if you've got any artistic capability at all, Feel free to draw the smart zombie that we talked about in the last uh, couple of podcasts ago. No one has. No one has. Not a single entry. There's a shirt going up for grabs there. And just to explain that, if you know you're about to become a zombie and you want to be a zombie that can survive longer than any other zombies, how would you modify yourself? How would you, what armor would you give you? What devices would you put on yourself to become the best zombie? Now, I know people are interested. I've had many people email me yeah. with their ideas. Yeah. Not one person's drawn it, though. At this point, a stick figure will win, win a win. shirt. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's a shirt. Come, people. It's going to get cold. You're going to need to cover your filthy bodies with it. Yeah. Cover your filthy bodies with CryptoZoo from the... Smart enough to know better. Maybe they just hate the shirt. Sartorial design. No, no, Dan. No, no. It's because they don't realise. They don't think they're good enough to win. You are good enough to win. Our bar is very low. We have a very low bar. You could you could limbo over that bar under the. It'd be very hard to limbo under our. What's the point here? Um, you our bar is so low. <laughs> yes. You would have to dig in order to go under the limbo. You'd bar. have to. You'd have to give me like a China syndrome of limboing to win. So anyway, get involved. Get in contact. Dan at smartenough.org. Greg at smartenough.org. Or jump into the forums to have a debate with all the other pedantic nerds that you know you guys are. Wait, was that too hostile? I think it's a bit hard. We, geeks. Bit geeks, geeks is more positive. Geeks. Geeks. They like geeks. Yeah. We like geeks. geeks. Pedantic f***ing geeks. Much better. Much better. We've done well. I'm a little bit concerned we're going to come across that we stole all our comedy from everyone. Not me particularly, just I'm a bit worried that we'd say, none of our comedy is original. I'm sure that people who listen to the podcast will go, I don't think anyone's ever done a sketch where a bee tears out his own intestines. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, there's a yeah, certain yeah, sense yeah, that... Uh, yeah, some of them are. And a lot of political ones. Oh, we should have I mean, God, we had the most unique sketches that I've ever heard. Which, Weight loss relativity yeah, 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 notes? Yeah, right, yeah, good where do you, no, if yeah, we're oh. stealing these jokes, where are we stealing them from? <laughs> When you have a dog in a vest wandering around, everything it does is slightly more important. He's not, he's not like a dog sniffing <laughs> something. He's like a detective dog. He's in a vest. He oh, must, be, must be doing something important. 
So before we go anywhere... Exactly. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. We are going to be talking about Source Code. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, I don't know whether I want to go see it anyway, and I'll just listen to John Birmingham chat about it. And don't do that. No, no, don't. Stop now. Listen to this man. This man killed his partner. Listen to it. (laughs) Don't believe that stuff. He's dead. Greg's dead, baby. He's dead. (laughs) Ixnay on the Adava K. So if you're still listening and you haven't watched Source Code, you're a bloody fool because it is the least disappointing film I've seen all year. And I've been disappointed by a number of films. such a geek thing to say. (laughs) Yeah. So let's get to the spoilage. Yes. Yeah, you got three seconds. Three seconds to just step away from the computer. That's it. Okay, that's it. Okay. That's on. Spoiler's coming. If you're still here. Be it on your your, own head, fools. Now, the end, or all three of the ends. Well, that's right. The thing that I I found a very satisfying end, you're a bit worried about poor Jake Gyllenhaal. Like, oh, God. I still feel like I'm weaving around the the, the end to avoid spoilers. Well, the thing is, you know what? Jake Gyllenhaal, he dies, but he continues on in another universe. You know this because you have already listened to the film person listening to to the podcast. Yeah, no, exactly. I just need to get that out. Okay. Okay, yeah. now we, we're free so, to do it. But the thing is, well, I, I sort of, I found it a very satisfying end because, you know, the bad guy gets caught, yep. Jake gets the girl, the girl's pretty hot, and you, you've even sort of got that thing where he managed to send a message from, from what appears to be one universe into another universe. Yeah. The one thing that bothered me, though, is poor old Sean Fentress, the teacher, who, into whom they effectively injected Yes. Him. What yes, happened to him? He's kind of he's gone. Well, he was he's, dead anyway. He's well, he's been erased, hasn't he? Because in the yes, yeah. This, well, you're assuming this is like a quantum state which has arisen because of the decision that Coulter, which is Jake, yes. took. So you know he, he's he's made a choice, and that choice has opened up a branching universe. But that, that branching universe has its own history, and in the yes. history of that universe, the guy who the school teacher, the school teacher was there the on the, the school teacher got on the train. Yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal gets off the train mm-hmm. holding the school teacher's piece of ass. Now, what Mike happened concerned. to the school teacher? He's wiped him out. Yes, and of course, all the relationships that he has. Like he, well, I, know, I was thinking, he's this. supposed like, to go to school and I teach know, the next I know, day. I was thinking, like you know, he's, he's uh, not going to do a very good job. <laughs> I just I saw a crossover with that. God, it was a shockingly bad film. It was actually it was a shockingly bad series of films. So an actor you don't see much anymore. He's big in the eighties and nineties. He was in Platoon. He played the bad sergeant in Platoon. Oh, and he was also the yelly ghost in. No, wait, I'm thinking of Full Metal Jacket, aren't I? No, yeah, he was. No, no, that that was uh, that was another guy. Anyway, so the bad sergeant from Platoon. Okay. Um, he is. He's in this straight to video stinker where he's uh, his girlfriend is a teacher. Yeah. And she gets killed by Colombian drug lords who've taken over the high school, which dates that film at like late right. 80s, early 90s, something like that, because that's what Colombian drug lords did in the late 80s and uh, early Columbia. 90s. They they took over high schools. For the communists. Yeah. This guy who's like special forces. Mm -hmm. He's not a ninja, but he's special forces, which is almost as good. And he's got some holiday time. It's like an American ninja. So he goes in and pretends to be the relief teacher who's like relieving because his girlfriend has been killed by these Colombian drug guys who've taken over. Oh, I've definitely seen the preview to this. And and you can just, yeah. uh, Is it called The Substitute? Yeah, I think it is. 
Rutgerhauer? No, no, no. But Rutgerhauer would have made a great substitute. But no. Yeah, no, no. I have bad, seen this bad, film. Bad guy from, bad sergeant from Platoon. Of course, he just goes in and he just kicks Colombian drug lord ass from, from one end of that film to the other. It's just, as, as a piece of shit cinema, it's fantastic. So fantastic that they made a second straight-to-video stinker substitute nice. too. But I don't think they got him. I think they got like another substitute in. Maybe Rutgerhauer. A substitute too. But anyway, substitute. like I'm thinking, what's Jake Gyllenhaal got to do? He's got this great date day at yeah. the end of Source Code, like he's gone into Chicago that he has saved yeah. with the hottie who's been sitting across from him on the train, Sean Monaghan, I think it was, and um, so they have this great day off, like he's got his Ferris Bueller yeah. day. Yes. But then he's presumably, he's got to go back to school yeah. the next day. With like all the did. skills of someone from the army. Well, he's like, sorry, Maybe he like, just goes to the army. He, well, he could, he could fly a helicopter into the school and open up with the miniguns on those Colombians <laughs> if they were still there, but except the substitute has wiped them out in the previous movie. So I just, yeah, that, that was my, that one, that was what I really wanted to discuss when I came out of that film. I wanted to get on Twitter and just go, well, what happened to Frentis? What happened to the teacher? You know, I reckon that he actually becomes a really good teacher. Because oh, well, the this, punishment. This, exactly. Like, you but, wouldn't cross Mr. No, well, that's right. Him? And you didn't, you didn't, you didn't cross the substitute either, like, cause, you yeah. know, these kids in, the earlier film, like they, they were bad kids. Well, they were good kids, but you know, they, a bad system had let them down. He came All right. in, he, That's he always imposed the case, some old school special forces discipline on that classroom and everything was better. Like if only America had heeded the lesson of the substitute, they wouldn't have found themselves so confused at the end of Source Code. But Frentis, I, I just worry about Frentis. Oh. You know, that chick. I felt. She thinks she's dating Frentis. Like she, all of a sudden, like in the course of eight minutes, subjectively yeah. to her, he's gone from being you know, kind of cute and interesting enough to flirt with on the train to being like awesome, mm. absolutely awesome. But, uh, but the other guy laid all the groundwork. Yeah, that's right. What happened to him? Where's his payoff? It's there you like that. See, so, this, this guy's uh, going to have all sorts of Vietnam vet style issues. Yeah. The only, people, the only people I could discuss this with were a couple of eight-year-old boys yesterday. <laughs> we were looking, we we're trying to figure out where all these spare Lego pieces from a, a Star Wars uh, kit had come from. It's, it's the one where from, it's from a Hoth thing. You've got uh, Upside Down Luke and uh, oh, an the, the abominable the big dog snowman. Thing? And yeah, I think there was an at right. No, no, it wasn't a walker. It was, uh, it was, the, it was, it was the, the one with the, the towing cable. Oh, right. Yes. So that, that were, anyway, the towing cable Star Wars Lego thing comes with a lot of spare pieces, as it mm. turns out. So, you know, just anyway, the, the grandfather paradox comes up in the course of, you know, trying to figure out what to do with these spare pieces. And uh, Jack, uh, one of them goes to Thomas, you know, you can't travel back and kill your grandfather because then he wouldn't be born yes. to travel back. And I said, that's right, you can't, unless you believe in a sort of quantum choice branching universe theory in which case you can because as soon as you go back and kill your grandfather you branch off a whole new mm. universe and so you started out in one and you've gone to the other which is i think the pre i think it's the premise of source code at the end it's not that well explained but yes well it kind of yeah it does the branch off sort of thing ever since i was a kid I, i've understood that there's two types of time travel in narrative there's the 12 monkey style of time travel spoilers for 12 monkeys <laughs> I don't think it matters. No. I think you can spoil that film as much as you want. Just <laughs> Not a fan of Twelve Monkeys? No, or? I wasn't. I, you know, I, I was willing to be. It had the promise of post-apocalyptic goodness. It had a Brad Pitt doing yeah. crazy acting, which mm -hmm. I think Brad Pitt does really well. And, and monkeys. It was supposed to have monkeys in it. You know, 
So your your biggest problem with twelve monkeys, not enough monkeys. <laughs> not nearly enough monkeys, no. Right. So, no, there's there's no way no one you could spoil that. You were really told more. at the beginning there would only be twelve. Yep. I could have used more monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> but in, in Twelve Monkeys, it's all structured, so there is only one timeline. He goes back and becomes integral to that future happening. Yes. And it only happens because he goes back to some extent. Where, or you've got the back to the future style of time travel where when you go back and change something, everything changes in the future. Linearity, that's right. Yes. Like so when you go back, it, it, quantumly, it all, it all shuffles up and you change the future. What really bugs me is when films blend the two because there's no... no, no exactly right. You can't, you can't cross you, you the can't, line. You no. can't blend it because there's no logic to that. And the worst one was Lost in Space. The remake of Lost in Space... Where, oh, yeah. where they, they end up getting caught in a time bubble that was created 20 years ago and then going back and changing it so there was no time bubble. Ah, oh. it, was, it was messy. Yeah, was... see, my only memory of Lost in Space is that Joey from Friends has a great gun. Oh, right. That's yeah. what I recall. Joey and Dr. Smith of... turns into a spider or something. Oh, yeah, it got, it got pretty wacky. But I, got, I got, just got completely caught up in the time travel and I, I just spent days and days and days trying to figure out at what point in the film it breaks down. See, the Star Trek reboot, I, mean, I, I thought that was quite an elegant mm. use of you know, alternate futures and, and alternate pasts because they dealt with that very well. I just don't worry about the teacher. What's going to happen to the teacher? Nothing. Mm. It's gone. I felt that the end of Source Code, there was some sort of focus group stuff going on. Oh, because yeah. it really felt like there was a, where everything freezes on the fr- train and yeah. it's that one perfect Yeah, moment. that's right. Like if, go, uh, that's uh, the end of the film. No, that's right. If, if That's right. If you were a proper auteur who's committed to the integrity of the story rather than the enjoyment of the audience, mm-hmm. you, that, that's right. You, you freeze on the kiss. That's it. And yeah. people leave feeling unhappy but satisfied. Yes. Whereas then they and like start this whole entire new universe, so people leave happy. Yeah, it's like yeah, but, it's a happy ending, but dissatisfied in a vague sort of way mm. because they're worried about what happened to Frentis. Now I assume that he just—I mean, the thing—he's gone. Everyone else, he's been wiped. Yeah, he's the one person who doesn't get saved because everyone else in that That's secondary right. universe gets another chance. Exactly right. But no one else gets another chance. Generally. So basically, it's not so much that he loses out, it's that everyone else on the train gets a second shot. So I I guess it's just down to the math, isn't it? How many other lives is a Frentice worth? And in fact, the Jake Gyllenhaal character, he was going to be all torn up. Yeah. My sister asked, I said, Jake Gyllenhaal's in it. And she's like, really? Does he take his shirt off? And he's like, he appears mm, he shirtless. <laughs> um, pantsless too. Yes. Yes, he's, not, he's certainly pantsless. not wearing any clothing. She um, should see it. She should see it. <laughs> how, many, how many teachers do you need anyway? Well, one less since you got rid of that other guy. Oh, he wasn't a very good teacher anyway. No, I think I said that last time he was here. <laughs> Good thing you got rid of him. Indeed. But other than that, film's great. Oh, look, uh, totally. Uh, go see it. It's, I, like, it's, I, like, it's like Groundhog Day with explosions. Yeah, it is. It is, isn't it? It is Groundhog Day with a gun. Mm. And there's, that trope has been used a number of times in TV shows as well. Yeah, and it's funny because I normally find it really annoying in TV shows. Even on X-Files, you get a great one with a bank robbery yep. just looping backwards. I often find it very annoying because you just got to you, – you're going, oh, I've got to watch this thing over and over again. And, you know, they'll throw in – a slight tweak each time. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, is that is that coat going to hit his shoe or his shoulder mm. the next time it replays? Too, but it's not really enough, is it, to to keep you engaged for the eight minutes? But I thought in source code that they did very well with that loop. Mm. The fun thing about that trope, though, is that it, on one level, it's very you can make it comedic, even if everyone's playing it really straight, because 
when you're watching a character who's getting better at the same mistakes each time, there's some sort of intrinsic joy mm. in that happening. So, you know, well, this coffee spilt on his shoe at the beginning and then he starts to learn to... It, it appeals to that universal human need to correct our mistakes. You say, mm. oh, but I only a chance to do that again. This is what I would say. I mean, this is what I would do. And so that idea of the infinite loop, well, you know, the, the Groundhog Day lets us work through that fantasy that, in fact, we can just go back and correct our mistakes, which is what, you know, that's what Bill Murray's all about in that film is just he's got that... Mm. He's and got what to he get seems to right. be about in his real life now that he just keeps dropping in on college parties. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I didn't get late enough at college. But I'm Bill Murray. Yeah, everyone should be Bill Murray. You heard it first. I'm smart enough to know better. Let's get on that, scientists. Everyone should be Bill Murray. Well, thank you very much, John Birmingham, Cheers. for a lovely little chat. Well, I'm glad I got that off my system because I didn't want to discuss it on Twitter or my blog because inevitably somebody would just keep reading who shouldn't have. Yeah. Uh, if they were foolish enough to fight their way through the, through the firewall. wire entanglement surrounding the firewall and the poison moat of spoiler warnings that we put up. I'm wondering whether I should just put a password on this podcast that you I, can well, only answer I think, if you've uh, seen the film. Or... Maybe we just lock it completely. So no one else no hears one, it. No one can ever see you've, it. You've, you've, you've said your piece. It's out yeah. of you now. You dealt, you've dealt with it. Yeah, I've it's got it Basically, instead of this being a, a, an opportunity for us to promote the podcast to a semi-famous Brisbane author, I've just been your therapist, for yeah. your movie therapist for 30 minutes. Works for me. Dang. Oh, and the chick in the crying game, that's a bloke. But, but she and I, oh my God. Yeah, yeah I should have mentioned that earlier. Oh my god!